Welcome to Delivering More Together, the podcast brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs, VHA Innovation Ecosystem. I'm Bryn Cole. Now, if your first thought is that a podcast hosted by the federal government sounds like a total snooze fest, I challenge you to stay for a listen and let us change your mind. Here, we'll open your eyes, well, ears, to the groundbreaking innovation underway at VHA and how through innovation and collaboration, VHA is exceeding expectations, restoring hope, and building trust within the veteran community. Today's episode consists of a remarkable conversation about how the VHA innovation ecosystem engages with individuals through a variety of events and activities that are designed to open VHA to new ideas and perspectives. Featuring Suzanne Shirley and Danielle Krakora, you'll hear how challenges and hacks helped push innovation forward at VA. Hi there, I am Allison Emrine, the Director of Operations for the VHA Innovators Network. And on the Delivering More Together uh, podcast, I have two lovely ladies as my guests today, and I will let them introduce themselves, Danielle and Susie, um, a little bit about uh, who they are, where they're located, um, a miniature uh, life story um, for both of them. So, uh, Danielle, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Allison. My name's Danielle Krikora, and I live in Cleveland, the greatest city ever. Anyone that knows me knows I'm Cleveland's biggest fan. And uh, I kind of have a unique role in VA. I wear two hats. I work for the VA's Office of Information and Technology as a product manager. So I really help uh, business owners who are mostly medical centers um, modernize some of their legacy business processes using uh, a digital transformation strategy. So it's a really exciting day job. But I also uh, am a fellow for the VHA Innovation Ecosystem. And in that capacity, I help uh, run this incredible Makeathon program that I'm excited to share with you today. Awesome. Susie? Yeah, thank you, Allison. Uh, I'm Susie Shirley. I work with the VHA Innovation Ecosystem as the Director of Fellowships and Community Engagement. I live in Richmond, Virginia, which now I feel compelled to say is the best city in the in the world. <laughs> um, but uh, I joined the ecosystem a few years back as an innovation specialist in Richmond, Virginia, and had the privilege of serving as the Entrepreneur in Residence Fellow uh, after that, and then joining the ecosystem full time. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, so glad to talk to you both today. Um, and so to kick it off a little bit, this episode of the podcast is about um, innovation events and how they are critical um, to to delivering more together, to be, you know, cheesy about it, um, how partnerships and events uh, can light a spark uh, of excitement and innovation and um, you two are both you know pros pros at that so um, Susie tell us a little bit about uh, kind of what your entrepreneur in residence focused on um, and introduce the idea of what a hackathon is okay great 
Um, as the entrepreneur in residence, I really work to develop uh, partnerships with academia and industry to host hackathons um, across the country. So some of the partnerships that we developed were with MIT Hacking Medicine, Georgia Tech, uh, George Washington University, and uh, we hosted hackathons, which are actually just very short, fast-paced design sprints um, that bring a diverse set of teams together to solve very specific challenges. Um, we hosted these hackathons in major cities across the country all year long uh, as a fellowship, and we really, you know, saw a lot of very interesting technology and solutions that came out of these events, um, very early stage concepts and prototypes that, you know, many of which have, have uh, moved on to um, become actual companies or solutions that have been co-developed with healthcare systems and, and developed into more refined products by now, um, many of which, you know, within the VA and uh, really have just also benefited from the great opportunity to network and develop an innovation community that really spans uh, beyond the VA across government, you know, industry and academia alike. And a lot of really great collaborations have, have evolved from that. And it's just been an incredibly rewarding experience. Thank you. Um, Danielle, do you want to talk about what a makeathon is and uh, kind of your your role with the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. So Susie and I just work so well together. Uh, we we knew it instantly when we met, um, like two two and a half years ago or so. And uh, I learned all about what a hackathon was. And at the same time, I was uh, participating or leading, I guess you could say, a similar concept style of an event called a makeathon. And uh, I learned, first learned about a makeathon um, about two and a half years ago when I had the opportunity to participate on uh, Team America in a global makeathon event that happened in Tel Aviv, Israel. So it was really kind of a life changing event for me. I uh, am an Army veteran, a disabled Army veteran, and I was able to participate on this team uh, where subject matter experts from a variety of different industries came together around a disabled veterans challenge. And in a, in a short period of time, much like a hackathon, 72 hours, they developed these incredibly innovative solutions, physical solutions that they uh, put together using rapid manufacturing techniques to meet the needs of that disabled veteran. And in many cases, it was restoring something that a function, a process, uh, an event, something that that veteran used to do prior to being injured that they could not do any longer. So it was really empowering and really, really exciting. So after that, uh, I came home and uh, I, I had went with a nonprofit called Challenge America that helps uh, injured veterans in a variety of different ways. And we looked at each other and we said, we need to bring this to the United States. So we did. Uh, in partnership with the Innovation Ecosystem, which is how I first became affiliated with the program, uh, we, we partnered formally and we hosted our first U.S. Uh, Veterans Makeathon in the spring of 2019, of course, in the greatest city ever in Cleveland. 
And uh, we did it in partnership with the Cleveland Clinic. And you would be amazed. I'm still humbled and amazed by the incredible projects that came out of it in such a short period of time. Uh, in those events, uh, all of the teams, we worked with our partners in VHA tech transfer to help these teams uh, establish a provisional patent. And then we identified pathways for them post-event to continue to work on their their projects. And the goal is to obviously bring them to market. Um, we completed a second event in the fall of 2019. And then COVID-19 hit you know, in the spring this year, and we had to pivot our our, our model uh, to, to try to work virtually because really the magic happened um, in person at these events and these incredible maker spaces. Uh, so we we shifted our model a bit and out came the, the COVID-19 Maker Challenge, which is a, a virtual series of events. Uh, we have participants from around the world, actually, which is very exciting. And we've now focused, instead of the needs of uh, disabled veterans, we, we're focusing on the needs of our essential workforce. Uh, so each event is focused on a different subset of that workforce. And uh, we're, we're doing the same collaboration with a cross-section of uh, folks from, you know, the VA, other federal agencies, private sector, academia, and they're working together to build these incredible solutions. It's just, uh, it's very exciting and, and humbling at the same time. And that's the focus of what my fellowship is uh, with Innovation Ecosystems. Great. Thank you both. Um, we'll get into... Uh, some more detail about the COVID maker, Maker's Challenge with you, Danielle. Um, how do you think, how do you both think that um, hacking and maker events, how do you think they impact um, how we're able to deliver care? How do the solutions that, that come out of these events, how, um, how are they sometimes, sometimes maybe not, how are they integrated into um, our healthcare system with NDA or, or others? How do they go from, you know, prototype or, um, I, you know, kind of thought out design basically uh, to, to actually being used and um, and impacting and affecting, in our case, veterans. Um, Susie, I know that you have uh, an example of this, um, and and I'd love to hear that whole the whole story behind it. Yeah, you know, it's the idea of of hacking and making. You know, these kinds of events. There's there's a lot of reasons why they bring such tremendous value to improving healthcare. You know, one of the just, I guess, most basic aspects of these events that are, that's really important is just the diversity. You know, when you bring a, a specific problem to the table, you know, and, and you put it in front of uh, people to solve, when all of those people come from kind of the same background or work in the same setting, you know, we, we really have challenges in moving forward in in embracing you know 
new discoveries and new ideas and, and figuring out new ways of doing things. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't think the VA is alone in this. I think a lot of large organizations will say, you know, that people within them have these experiences of kind of just being on workforces or committees or having meetings after meetings. And it's, it's really hard sometimes to make, make the kind of headway that just um, can break that cycle and, and ignite something new, you know, be the catalyst of change. And so these events, you know, really kind of first and foremost um, attack that system by bringing together um, a broad, you know, set of diverse perspectives and backgrounds. These hackathons, you know, in particular bring engineers, computer scientists, uh, clinicians, you know, clinicians that are uh, physicians, physical therapists, nurses, you know, psychologists, everybody from across the board coming to the table to solve a problem together. And when these individuals break up into teams, you know, one of the requirements in a hackathon event is that the teams be made up of uh, individuals from different backgrounds. Um, so you've got, you, you kind of have the makings of uh, a new business if you want, because you might have somebody with a business background, uh, somebody, you know, who's a clinical provider, somebody who specializes in communications and marketing, um, someone in engineering, but everybody comes to the table to solve solve a problem together. And because it's such a fast-paced environment, there's not a lot of uh, time or space for people to um, pick apart ideas and, and be critical. It's just, it's one of the most kind of open-minded, uh, exciting experiences that you can have in problem solving. You know, you do rapid um, discovery and, you know, you talk quickly with mentors and subject matter experts and you brainstorm solutions, you build concepts and prototypes. And it really just, the event itself, you know, with, with a hackathon, you end, you end up with much more early stage, oftentimes still conceptual solutions. Um, I'll let, you know, Danielle will speak a little bit more to uh, the, the more mature solutions you get from, from a longer term makeathon, but um, you know, what we find or we have these concepts after, uh, after a hackathon and you have a team and a team of really bright driven people uh, from diverse backgrounds who want to work together and maybe forming a company or, you know, maybe doing more discovery and testing within a healthcare system. Um, one of the, you know, most exciting examples uh, of a solution that came from a hackathon and a, and a business, a company that came from a hackathon that's really moving the needle on care right now in a big way in the VA is the story of Podometrics. And uh, Podometrics is a, a company that has designed and developed a thermometric sensor mat that identifies diabetic foot ulcers through uh, temperature monitoring five weeks before they emerge. And that device was developed by a core team of, of co-founders at a hackathon, at an MIT hacking medicine event about eight years ago now. And they've been through, you know, quite a journey together over the past eight years. Uh, they started doing a little bit of research in the VA, some cl preliminary clinical trials early on to test the efficacy of the device. Um, and the monitoring service, they do, uh, you know, they run AI algorithms that will look for spikes in temperature that have since uh, proven to effect effectively identify these early stage ulcers. Um, but it, it wasn't really until uh, we met at 
you know, I met the CEO, John Bloom, at an MIT Hacking Medicine event where we were both uh, mentoring and he, he was a keynote speaker, um, where we really identified how we might explore um, testing this and really bringing it to scale in the VA. So the evidence, you know, that they're digital health solution worked was already there. We had major clinical trials that were already published and more underway. And the device itself was being um, offered only at some select medical centers because, you know, you may have heard this about the VA. If you know one VA, you know one VA. And sometimes, you know, there'll be an, an innovative solution that's working very well at one medical center, but for a number of, of reasons, it may not be scaling. Uh, and so when I met John Bloom, you know, the first thing I did after after meeting him and hearing about the solution was I went back to the the stakeholders in the VA, the providers that were using the system and studying the system. And I got a sense from them, you know, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the benefits? What, you know, what is really valuable about this solution? And what I heard was uh, just undeniable. You know, veterans were, uh, you know, the diabetic foot ulcers that typically would would evolve, you know, in this patient population were being prevented. Um, there was uh, early detection, early prevention. Um, the the veterans themselves loved these systems. They were using them with 87% almost daily adherence, which is shocking. Um, if you think about some of these technologies that, that patients have to use in their homes. Um, so what we really did with with uh, Podometrics as a solution was we did a lot of exploration as to why it, why it wasn't scaling in the VA. And one of the really cool things about being able to work with high growth startups is their agility. Because in a partnership where you want to explore working with the VA, you know, especially if your solution was not designed within the VA, um, is you've got to be open minded and you've got to be agile to co-creation and co-development. So together, we looked at the different care models. We looked at the, the clinical guidelines, the purchasing guidelines. We approached things from a field-based perspective, but also a, a national you know, uh, program office perspective. And we navigated the challenges one by one. And every step along the way, we had to explore new care models and new, way of do, new ways of doing things. And Podometrics had to explore new business models and new ways of working with the VA. And so through rapid testing and implementation, we are really excited to share that we're fully operational at over 40 VA medical centers. Remote temperature monitoring is now considered standard care for some of our highest risk veterans in the VA. John Bloom and I actually just presented at Rock House on a panel uh, related to how the VA um, works together with high growth startups to bring emerging technologies into the VA so that the veterans we serve can receive the most innovative cutting edge care and solutions available and that the VA can co-develop with uh, these high growth startups and emerging tech companies um, to ensure that the solutions that they're developing really meet the unique needs of the VA. Thanks, Susie. That sounds um, really exciting. And uh, an amazing example of how something is truly born from one of these events and becomes, you know, standard of care in a huge um, healthcare system like VA. That's fantastic. 
Um, Danielle, introduce us a little bit more. You, you, you briefly mentioned Challenge America. Um, give us some more information about Challenge America. And I know, um, having participated in this series, um, the COVID-19 Makers Challenge, tell us, tell us all about it and tell us, um, you know, maybe one or two of your favorite uh, solutions. Yeah, absolutely, Allison. Thanks for the opportunity. Anytime I get to share uh, information about the COVID-19 Maker Challenge series is exciting for me. And it's almost like hearing Susie talk about Podometrics because she's obviously so passionate and proud of the work that she's done with with this incredible organization. And uh, I feel the same way about Challenge America. They are a veteran nonprofit out of Basalt, Colorado. Uh, they are founded by Vin Gill and Amy Grant. They're very small, but they are mighty. And they do some incredible things for veterans. Um, outside of the work that I will tell you about with the COVID-19 Maker Challenge, they also have two other key initiatives. One is a music therapy program. So they not only lead uh, music therapy retreats, they also have a program where they teach folks how to become music therapists and, and replicate this model that has worked uh, in helping reduce uh, the feelings of PTSD and uh, help veterans overcome military sexual trauma and, and other things like that. So it's, it's very effective. That's actually how I met them. They were uh, leading the music therapy retreat in Cleveland. The other program that they have uh, that's very successful, which is actually ironically a product of our Makeathon event, our, our second Makeathon event in Cleveland, uh, is called the Military Sisterhood Initiative. It's an online uh, platform where uh, military women can engage with each other on a variety of different topics and, and ways. And the idea is to um, COVID-19 is over. Unfortunately, it launched right before COVID-19 started in February. Uh, it's a very, very active platform. There's thousands of women from across the country on it that interact daily a number of times, so it's very exciting. Um, but the idea is to start to create these physical networks uh, as well as digital so uh, these women can meet up uh, with others in their area in a safe and um, supported way and really start to forge friendships and support networks uh, in person and, and digital. And that was all uh, powered by a project that was developed by Acumen Solutions, another Cleveland-based firm on a platform called Mighty Network. So very exciting stuff. Um, so that's Challenge America. They are our primary partner on the COVID-19 Maker Challenge series. Like I said, it is intended to uh, support the needs of essential workers. When COVID-19 first kicked off, we saw a lot of uh, people rallying together to try to build novel, um, novel PPE types of things, you know, masks, face shields, 3D printed ventilator parts, all kinds of stuff that is critically important, but there was a lot of effort in that space, but there was less effort on the other needs that existed for our other first responders like police, fire, EMS, our housekeeping uh, services, both in a hospital, but even hotels, office buildings, things like that. Um, 
nursing homes have been hit incredibly hard uh, by COVID-19, both for the residents, but also the workers, uh, in-home care providers, folks that go into the home to either perform some sort of medical service or even just plumbers, electricians, uh, folks that, that uh, have to come into someone's physical space to perform the work that they do, a service. And then finally, our disaster workers, uh, people that respond to to the forest fire situation or a hurricane site or uh, sadly our Native American reservations that have been hit particularly hard, uh, devastated really by COVID-19. All of these brave men and women that are on the front lines have needs too that that are beyond just your typical PPE. So, so we really wanted to help them. So in partnership, we launched a series. Each month, we focused on a different subset of the essential workforce. Those are the ones that I just mentioned. And uh, we, we had about 12 challenges a month that we would tackle. Uh, we were fortunate enough to partner with Medallia, and we leveraged their Crowdicity platform, which is a crowdsourcing platform. And uh, we, we posted our challenges there. So we talked to the frontline workers, we asked them what they needed, things that would help them um, stay safe or help their customers or their patients stay safe in the context of COVID-19. We posted those challenges on the Crowdicity site, and then and we let the, the community um, react. We let them vote on the challenges, comment, challenge the challenges. <laughs> and then uh, in a really strategic way, we, we had a committee of people uh, each month who would evaluate those ideas and pick the most promising. At, at the same time, we recruited makers. So we've said, both Susie and I, these are really passionate people that want to make a difference from a, cro a broad cross-section of of our country well in in both cases actually the world because we have international participants so uh we we recruit these folks we learn what their strengths are what their areas of interest are what their academic and professional careers are and then we build teams uh that we think make sense um around each challenge and the really the the key differentiator here um, in a make-a-thon versus other events is that that end user, that essential worker, remains at the center of that project team. So it's truly user-centered, uh, a truly user-centered approach. Um, that person provides constant feedback to that development team that's building that solution and tells them, yeah, that'll work, or no, 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 that's not going to work at all. Let's try this. And they iterate rapidly using um, an agile methodology. That's kind of the world I come from in OI and T, and it just means rapid iterations. Um, and uh, they come up with a solution. So they meet, they meet on a Friday. We kick it off with a design uh, thinking exercise. We have a great partnership with Balance Innovation, and they come in and do a, a design thinking workshop with the teams. They, they meet their, um, their subject matter expert, their frontline essential worker uh, for the first time. And then they go to town for the next week and they, they plan, they self plan when they're going to meet. They might 3D print some things. They might um, make some drawings and have some discussions and source materials and stuff. But the bulk of the making happens the following weekend, uh, kicking off on a Saturday morning and ending with a closing ceremony on 
a Sunday night. And they, they really go through a rapid design sprint during that 48 hours. And they come up with, a, in most cases, a physical solution to show. We have a, a great closing ceremony. Um, there's judges uh, and they award prizes. Well, they award awards, not necessarily prizes. And the winning um, team from each of our five events actually will be presenting at uh, the innovation experience, which is really exciting. So I can't wait for VA and all of our supporters to hear about some of these incredible projects. And you asked me to to name just a couple or, or speak to one or two of them. Um, and I think it's just so hard to choose which ones to talk about, but um, I will I will revert back to a challenge that we had posed during our second event. This was focusing on the needs of housekeepers and janitorial staff, and uh, it it was originated at a hotel. We were fortunate enough to be able to with uh, some of the executives at the Hilton Hotel chain, and they told us that one of the challenges they have is is ensuring that when luggage, um, you know, whether it's backpacks or suitcases or laptop bags come into the hotel from outside, that those surfaces on the bags, the wheels and everything else are, are sanitized and that they're not bringing in COVID-19 or something else into the building and contaminating other surfaces. So they were looking for a way to ensure that that those parcels were were free of any um, any virus. So what the team did was they utilized UC, UVC lighting, which is a powerful form of light that if it's blasted at the virus, it can kill it. Um, but I'm not a I'm not a scientist, so I I probably don't have the right words here. But essentially, they created these boxes that could be scaled to different sizes that were lined with UCD light in inside of it. And they would put the parcel in the box, close the lid for a certain period of time, just several seconds, 15 seconds or so, open it up, and uh, and the the parcel was was blasted with UVC light and decontaminated. So it was really effective, something that they could potentially put right up at the front and check in, drop the bo- uh, drop the um, the suitcase in, close it, take it out, and go on their way, and. And it's really exciting because that's an application or a project that could be applied to a variety of industries. Sure, it was derived, conceived in the hotel industry, but um, at a hospital, we have the same problem, you know, at a VA medical center. People come in with a variety of different things, purses, backpacks, et cetera. Want to make sure that we're, we're maintaining a safe and sanitized environment there as well. So this is actually one of the projects that uh, VA is able to pilot. So we've invested in uh, building a couple of these boxes and putting them at VA medical centers to to use and pilot for a period of time to see what the, the impact is. And I'm really hopeful that at the end of our pilot, we will be able to scale this not only across our organization, but help this talented group of, of um, innovators maybe turn this into a business that they can then um, sell to hotel chains, I mean, hospitals, the sky's the limit of where they could go with this. And I'm really excited that VA gets to to be a part in in piloting this and, and hopefully scaling it in the future. And another thing about scaling, we have um, 
a number of other partnerships, uh, and that's really where where this program excels is we, we can't do this work in a vacuum. You know, we, we're only as strong as the people that stand beside us and, and partner with us. And we've got great partnerships with the National Institute of Health. A lot of our designs have been able to go up on their 3D printing portal for further evaluation uh, through their, their very standard process. Uh, we have partnerships with the FDA. We have partnerships with a great nonprofit called America Makes. Uh, they, they are our manufacturing partners. So some of these solutions that have been developed and tested and are now ready um, for, for scaling, they identify a potential manufacturing partner that can, you know, build the, the molds and, and find the materials and capabilities to, to take the 3D printing um, and, and actually turn it into an, a, a manufacturing product and commercialize it. So it's just, it's really exciting. And there's so many great success stories. I could talk your ear off all day about it, Alvin. Well, I'm familiar having been a judge and a um, mentor on the last um, COVID-19 Maker Challenge with you all. I'm familiar with the events, and I will say that they're they're um, they're pretty fun, and the work that goes into them in such a short time frame is amazing. Um, I have applied to um, be part of the next MIT Grant Hack, Susie. So. See how that goes. Um, yeah. And both of the, you know, I think that you you both brought up a um, an interesting point. And Danielle, you talked about VA um, incorporating and working on the design and pilot of the the UVC light box, which I think we're all like underselling. It is, you know, it's different from kind of what's out there today with the design of it and how it's made, um, what makes it unique and innovative. And um, I, I, it is, it is very cool. And um, from the Innovators Network perspective, I'm so happy to, you know, work with uh, you all to, to get these into VA to see what we can do with them. But you both definitely touched on uh, something I was going to ask next. <laughs> And what I asked in our, our last uh, episode as well, um, the last episode with um, Diffusion of Excellence, is why diffusing best practices or promising practices is so darn hard. Um, why do you think in the same vein it's so hard to move solutions from events like makeathons and hackathons into uh, healthcare systems or into um, their own companies. Um, why do you think that, where do you think that big pain point is, that big challenging spot and how can we overcome it and how can we um, help these innovators, um, you know, be successful? I'll let either one of you have at it first. Susie, Danielle might need a yeah. drink. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, Allison, you're asking the million dollar question. I mean, why is it so hard? I think there are some really, really important factors that that come into play there. So when you're talking about solutions that come out of a hackathon or a makeathon, you're you're talking about really early stage solutions. Some might even be conceptual still. Some might be a prototype, but 
you know, regardless of, of whether there's kind of a built product or not yet, these are solutions that have not yet been tested. And so, um, you know, I think, I think these events, what they do is they, they plant the seed, they start the process. And what you really need, whether you're, you know, a startup company that is made up of diverse individuals from academia and industry, and you have started outside of the VA, or whether you're uh, a VA employee and you see um, pain points in your daily work, and you've got uh, ideas um, on designing and developing solutions there in your in your workspace. No matter what, I mean, what you need is a team of champions around you, people that come from um, people that have uh, diverse skill sets and abilities who can look at testing, uh, you know, rapid implementation, testing and scaling and navigating the barriers that come from, you know, any kind of organization that you work in. I mean, you know, with the VA, we focus a lot. We are a, an academically uh, oriented organization. We are uh, generally risk averse. We do a lot of clinical research. We test things out before, um, you know, we, we move quickly and, and rapidly on things. So, you know, what I've found to be the most helpful when you're talking about early stage solutions is you need, you need seed funding, you need investment. And the Innovators Network does a great job of, of providing that seed funding and investing in, in frontline employees' ideas. But you need, you know, if, if you're working with a startup company, they need to have some level of seed funding coming into, to, you know, working with the VA. Um, and within the VA, you need to build a team of champions, you know, around whatever the solution is. You need to have people at the table who, who understand the problem. You know, Danielle made a great point about these things being user-centric. You need the, the people who are experiencing the problem at the table. You need the veterans. You need the, the caregivers. You need the providers um, at the table. And then you also need people like innovation specialists and, uh, you know, people in more administrative roles who can navigate some of the hurdles around um, you know, purchasing guidelines and matching, you know, solutions with investigators to do clinical research trials, um, you know, do all, all these kinds of things. I mean, when I think about the whole last year and the journey that, that we had with Podometrics, I mean, it involved national scale uh, task force. I mean, we launched a national initiative and the initiative was to end diabetic limb loss across VA. And we had the national chief of podiatry still very much engaged we have um, three investigators who are also podiatrists who use the system and have done clinical trial research on it. We've got, you know, the purchasing partner, the national prosthetics chief uh, involved in updating purchasing guidelines to eliminate barriers. And then we have all kinds of, you know, people in the field, the veterans who are receiving the systems and talking about it and giving feedback um, as to how it's used and, and how they would like to be able to use it better. So it, it really is, you know, you have to kind of build a community around these solutions in order to scale them. And, you know, I think that the VHA innovation ecosystem is uniquely positioned to do that because we ourselves are a diverse group with a diverse set of portfolios that kind of address every stage of solution, you know, in its level of maturity, and then every stage of scaling, you know, whether it's that first seed level, um, 
testing, clinical trials, and scaling. And we've seen some really great uh, examples of being able to scale something that started at one VA medical center or from one little startup all the way across the country. That's amazing. And most importantly, the impact, of course, then is really, it's really about veterans in our case. Um, and that's a tremendous, tremendous work. Um, so congratulations to you and to um, the task force and, and everyone at Photometrics as well. Danielle, um, anything to add about the, the million dollar question? Why is, why is innovation so hard? Why is, uh, why is this all so hard? <laughs> well, uh, I, I think Susie, Susie hit on a lot of the points that I was going to share for sure. I think that um, it, it's really hard to get people to slow down, right? I, I think that, um, especially in VA, uh, we wear a lot of hats. We were forced to do more with less. And our employees, especially medical center employees, are, are faced with competing priorities. They often have a veteran or two or 10 or 20 in front of them um, asking for a piece of their time, yet they know that the systems, the tools that they've been given are, are not super effective and uh, could, could be better, whether it's a better process, a better product, a better digital solution, it doesn't matter. And I think that they're, they're innovative. They get it. They know that things could be better, but at the end of the day, there, there's not enough time uh, to really step back and work on it. So when we have these design competitions uh, and we have these great ideas or, or an innovative new startup company comes to us and shares this awesome, awesome idea, we, we, the people that work in this space can say, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. But we need somebody to try it. We, we don't want to fail big. We want to fail small first if we're going to fail, right? We need to gain momentum. Um, so when, when we take these great ideas to these frontline workers that actually have to use it, they may agree on principle that the idea makes sense and that it would make their life easier, but they don't have the time to stop and learn it. They don't have the time to slow down and, and figure out how they can change their workflows and their processes to make it work. They don't have the time necessarily to provide the feedback that we need to validate the efficacy of that particular project. So I think that in itself is, is what makes it so hard to, to scale. I think everyone can see the value in a lot of these things, but it's hard to slow down when you have so many competing priorities. Uh, so I think from my perspective, the Makeathon perspective, um, what has helped some of these projects um, you know, make it is getting frontline employee buy-in from the beginning. If you're trying to give a solution that was already created to somebody and asking them to use it, it's a lot harder than having that employee engaged early in the process and, and taking ownership, feeling pride in that solution, because then they're more apt to find the time and champion it and, and really put the time and effort it takes to, to validate the efficacy of it. And, and once somebody's done that and they've, they've shared in the development of that, the creation of that, 
it becomes theirs proud of it they want to share with other people because they know that it makes their life easier and it gives them back more time or it makes a safer experience for the veteran or whatever it's meant to do so um i think that that the key to to spreading innovation is is getting those users to to be a part of that solution creation it'll never work if we try to shove things down their throat and then I, and i've learned that and also what i'll say is um we're 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 better together i i use that hashtag on on everything on social media we're better together and i wholeheartedly believe that the relationships that the va has cultivated both susie and i are our relationship makers. We go out into the community and we talk to people and we find value uh, in, in these connections. And, and it really having this rich network of supporters on the outside in the community really helps um, helps the VA in the long run. And uh, it, it, it provides structure, resources, and, and all kinds of things uh, to our to our innovation projects and uh, the make and couldn't exist without all of those partnerships. So uh, I think those are those are the key points that Susie didn't mention that I, I wanted to share. Couldn't agree more. Um, wonderful summary. Uh, and you know we we're able to do more together, deliver more together, but we also want to celebrate together, right? So um, I know that that you both have experienced um, the VHA Innovation Experience or IEX as we uh, commonly refer to it as, or just the government just loves an acronym um, or a shortened abbreviation. Um, tell, tell me what you're excited about at this year's event, uh, which will happen in uh, late October, the 27th through the 29th. Um, Susie, what do you think? What are you looking forward to this year? I just love the innovation experience. I, I'm really looking forward to just the, the feeling that you get, you know, when you're there. Um, I think the innovation experience is a really great example of what's possible when people say yes, when they say yes to the possibility, you know, when they say yes to change and to trying new things and taking risks and um, really putting themselves out there. I mean, you, you know, you walk around the innovation experience and you're looking at everything from, uh, you know, bioprinters at work, pin, uh, printing different kinds of cell blends to medical models sitting there on the table to new in, incredibly exciting digital health solutions. And, you know, you're networking with all of these individuals who, while we all come from, you know, diverse backgrounds, we share at least one thing in common and it's the mission you know that desire to really change the world and the courage to try and that's really what i love about the innovation experience and um danielle you attended last year right and you know the big obvious thing is that this year it will be virtual which is um i'll say unfortunate in air quotes um but at the same time, it allows for an even broader audience. Um, so, Danielle, what was uh, your experience like and what are you looking forward to in this year's virtual uh, platform? 
Yeah. So last year uh, was incredible. Uh, it kind of blew my mind. I had no idea the amazing things were going on within VA. Um, and I thought I had a, a broad, broad, you know, lens. I, I thought I was looking through the VA through a broad lens, but this really opened my eyes to the incredibly passionate people that we have both inside and, and outside VA working on cutting edge stuff. Um, so that was the most exciting takeaway from last year, just just seeing the sheer magnitude of the projects and and the technology and the just the, I don't know, it was, a, it, it's crazy. It's overwhelming actually because you're there and you want to hear everything and you really have to pick and choose which seminars and in which workshops you're going to jump in and hear from uh, and you just really want to hear them all and there's just not enough time so uh, this year going virtual will be interesting I, I haven't been a part of any of the discussions about how that will be structured nor have I participated in a virtual summit yet uh, you know, any type of virtual event that would normally have been done uh, in person. So I don't even know what to expect, but what I'm hoping is that we'll be able to uh, to get as many uh, engaged people as there were in person uh, virtual and be able to hear some of these incredible uh, projects. Because like I said in, in the last question, people people are so proud of the work that they're doing and they should be. And when you have somebody that's proud talking about their work, it's, it's infectious, right? You're just, you're, you're motivated you're fired up. You want to go out there and change the world. Like Susie said, being around uh, these, these excited, passionate, innovative, smart people is just, it's infectious. And uh, I'm excited for what that means for our organization. Well, I want to thank you both so much. I am um, excited to, to again, see you, air quotes, uh, at IEX this year. And um, thank you for, for taking the time to talk about your experience with these events and how they are um, really, really impacting veterans, um, changing lives and saving lives. Um, I appreciate your time and all your work. Thank you, Allison. And thanks, Danielle. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening, and be sure to register for the VHA Innovation Experience this October 27th through 29th. If you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, essentially any podcasting app known to phone, computer, tablet, or woman. For more stories on veteran and veteran benefits, check our website, va.gov forward slash innovation dash ecosystem, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and RallyPoint. No matter the social media, you can always find us with a blue check mark. And as always, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. And we'll see you right here next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>